Well, good morning, Tower View. Hope you're staying warm. That's the operative word today, staying warm. It is a chilly one out there this morning. It was so chilly this week that I had to buy a new battery. Every day, like from Tuesday on, I was like, every day I started my truck, every day it took a little bit longer to start. And finally on Friday, it took, you know, it takes a few seconds before it cranks. It's like, okay, I don't need this dying on me because it's getting colder before it's getting warmer. So good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're doing well this morning. I pray that you're doing well this morning. This Valentine's Day morning. Um, if you don't know, I'm, I'm associate pastor. I'm Pastor Nelson Misley at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. You can check us out on our website, towerviewkc.com, our Facebook page. Um, they're, they're on the website. And on the Facebook page, you can send us messages. You can call the church, 816-368-1330. If you have any questions or comments, you can call that line. You can text that line. And somebody, if they don't answer right away, we'll get back to you shortly. We don't like messages going around, waiting around, so somebody will get back to you pretty quickly. We are continuing our lesson in Luke today. So what do we got? Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Shirley and Don. Let's see, my computer is acting better today. Um, so we got people watching. The stream is streaming. I got my light on right there to shine down on my shiny head. All right, and so the snow was just starting to come down when I got here, oh, about 45 minutes ago. And... Uh, so we're supposed to get some snow today, an inch maybe here in Kansas City. It is bitterly cold outside. According to my fitness tracker, it is one degree outside somewhere nearby. So that's one degree Fahrenheit if you happen to be watching from overseas, which is negative 18-ish or so Celsius, give or take a couple degrees. It is bitterly cold out there for this this part of the country, this is unusually cold. So this does not happen very often. And especially since it's been over a week that it's been this cold. And um, not looking at going away any till late late in the week before it starts warming up. I saw 20s for like Wednesday or Thursday. It's like, wow, 20s, that's going to seem like warm. Anyway, so here we are. We're continuing through the book of Luke. This quarter ends at the end of this month. I have new quarterlies here for everyone, um, but we're going to have to have church again to be able to pass them out. So the next time we have church, hopefully next Sunday, uh, be ready looking for the new quarterlies, and we're going to continue through the book of Luke. So this quarter through the end of this um, month, we, we get up to Luke chapter 9, and then we'll start with Luke 10 in, in, the, in March. Today's lesson, in case you're wondering... Remember a few weeks ago I said I skipped a lesson? On January 17th, I skipped a lesson because it was out of order in my head. Today we pick up that lesson. So we are in lesson seven of your quarterly book, Matthew chapter, or Matthew, Luke chapter six, starting in verse 27. 
So it was lesson seven that was supposed to be done on January 17th. We are doing it today. Next week, we will pick up to where we're supposed to be. Lesson 12 for February 21st, which is Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 40. So today we're in lesson 7, Luke chapter 6. So by our man-made um, quarterly book, we are out of order. And I know why they did this, because back in that week was, was uh, uh, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and it was the Sunday right before Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday. So on everybody's mind is racism and, you know, taking care of the innocent, the, the, the infants that are, that are killed in the womb. And that's, this has to do with enemies, those who are against Christ, those who are against us. So that's why they picked this lesson for that. I understand why they did it. Um, but my feeble brain says, no, we got to do it in order. So we're doing it in order. So I, I apologize for the confusion. If you didn't know what to study, I try, um, if I didn't communicate it clearly enough. But that's where we are. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6. And lesson 7 in the book, which is from last month. But let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings that you provide. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. You are the precious Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see. Anybody else leave any messages here while I'm sitting here? Uh, <laughs> nope. Just Darren. Pastor Darren is there posting things in the comments. Did, did you see his name? His name is Tower View Baptist Church. Um, because I can't do two things at once. All right. So here we go. We are moving on. Luke chapter 6. So last week, we looked at Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And Jesus, once again, had some incidents because he was doing things, and he was ministering, and he was teaching on the Sabbath. And he had some confrontations with Pharisees. We had seen that the past couple weeks. This week, Pharisees aren't mentioned even once here. So the lesson starts in verse 27, but it starts in the middle of a sermon in the middle of Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching in verse 17, in Luke chapter 6, verse 17, it says, After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of disciples and a great number of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Or Sidon, however you want to pronounce that word. So, in verses 12 through 16, we, Jesus names the 12 disciples as we know them today. And so he names those 12 disciples. However, there is a larger group of disciples that follow Jesus. We don't know how large, but we know there's a larger group. We see that in Acts chapter 1, when they did the, the 11 remaining disciples after Judas died, after Judas killed himself, decided they need to replace Judas with another disciple. And they pick from a large group of people, a large group of men, who have been following Jesus just as much as they were. Um, and we get named, and they named two of them, and one of them was picked. And so we know there's a larger group of disciples that are following Jesus. It's more than just 12. 
We don't know how many. Probably at least 100. We know through the book of John at different times, some of his disciples leave him because of his hard teachings. So there's a larger group of disciples that are following Jesus there in verse 17, and even more people that are there to listen. And some of them came from long distances. Judea and Jerusalem, they're about 60 miles away. From Tyre and Sidon, they're probably at least that far away, maybe a little bit farther, depending on what parts of the, but, but now what's considered modern-day Lebanon. The coast, those two cities were on the coast of modern-day Lebanon. And it's not part of Jerusalem. It doesn't say if they were Jewish people or if they were Gentiles that came down. Generally, that's Gentile territory. In verse 18, they came to hear him and to be healed and have their unclean spirits tossed out of them. And it says in verse 19, the whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him, healing them all. So we have, you know, some incidents, some accounts of some of the healings that Jesus did, but Jesus did many more healings than it's ever recorded in Scripture. Hundreds more, probably thousands of people were healed by Jesus, but only a handful are, are listed in scriptures. And in verse 20, he begins teaching, and he says this, Then looking up at his disciples, so he's looking at the disciples, the ones, the twelve, and the and which was like an inner group, and then the larger group of disciples that aren't named. And he says in verse 20, blessed are, those, blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who now weep, who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, insult you, and slander you. What? But he gives a condition. Slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. So they don't hate you because you're an idiot or because you're a bad person, you're an evil person. They hate you because you love God and you follow God. And they call you evil even though you are following the good God. Verse 23, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. Take note. So what, when rejoice on which day? The day that they exclude you, insult you, slander you, and, and, and say that you're evil. That's the day you rejoice. So when people call you names because you're a Christian, not because you're a Republican, not because you're a Democrat, when they insult you because you're a Christian, not because you're white or because you're black or whatever other Asian or Hispanic, that's not the issue. Those are wrong. Okay, but that's not the reason you rejoice. You rejoice because they slander you because you follow God. You follow Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why? It says, your reward is great in heaven, for in this way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. So you rejoice because the prophets were insulted this way. And you're being treated just like the prophets of the Old Testament. So he lists four blessings here. They're kind of like the Beatitudes that we find in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Here, sometimes it's called the Sermon on the Plain. Because it says in verse 17, they were on a large level place. And King James Version mentions on the plain. But then he, he meant, but something that's not done in Matthew, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he lists four woes, and they directly correspond to the four blessings. Verse 24, it says, Blessed are those to you who are rich. I'm sorry, I didn't read that right. But woe to you who are rich. Woe, not blessed. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. So up in verse 20, 20 it says, Blessed are you who are poor. Here it says, Woe to you who are rich. Verse 21 says, Blessed are you who are now hungry. Verse 25 says, Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Verse 25, verse 21, part B, says, Blessed are you who weep now. Verse 25, part B, says, Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will weep and mourn. Verse 22 says, Blessed are you when people hate you. Verse 26 says, Woe to you when people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. So he issues these blessings and then these woes, and they're opposites, opposite groups of people. And he said, well, thank God I'm not rich. Well, you know what? Yes, you are. You live in America. Unless you're living out of the back of a uh, station wagon, and that's your only home. Because when you look at the rest of the world, the poorest of us are wealthy beyond means compared to third world countries. Look at the, how people live in, this, in India, especially the untouchables. Look how people live in the jungles of Vietnam and in Brazil and what the street slums look like in Central America and Honduras and El Salvador. Why so many people are trying to get to America that they're willing to travel hundreds of miles across multiple countries, across many dangers, paying uh, criminals to, to smuggle them into America because their, their life is so awful, so crappy where they come from, that even a crappy life in America is better than what they used to have. And the threat of deportations for being an illegal immigrant is worth the risk because that's how awful their lives were where they're coming from. I'm not saying what we should do with our immigration laws. I'm just saying what the reality is. And so you are rich. You are full. Because most of us in America, if we couldn't get to the grocery store this week because of the cold and our cars broke down, we wouldn't starve. We may not be eating the choicest foods. We may be eating, you know, that can of whatever in the back of the pantry that we've, we've somebody bought and we've avoided using. We may find some food that we didn't realize we had, but we're not going to starve. Not most of us. 
and we all try to be well-spoken and we try to make sure people speak well of us because we don't want to be an outcast. That's what verse 26 is. We don't want to rock the boats at work. We don't want to rock the boat with our neighbors. But Jesus says, rock the boat. Jesus is rocking the boat all the time. He's making the Pharisees mad at him, making them want to kill him. Because he's rocking the boat for God. Not just to rock the boat, not just for politics. Not because, you know, you're just a rude, rude and crude and socially unacceptable person. Because you rocked the boat for God and how to do that, but yet do it with attack of Daniel. And so that's who he's speaking to. He starts in verse 20, he says, looking up at his disciples. But there's a larger crowd. And then he says, Woe to you who are rich. So that there's probably rich people there. There are people there who are curious. There are Pharisees and scribes there. Religious leaders, or supposedly religious leaders who are more concerned about themselves than they are about God. Then in verse 27, he says, but I say to you, and he's talking to everybody now, not just the disciples, not just the the rich people or the scribes or Pharisees, but I say to you, and this is where we get into the lesson. I say to you, love your enemies. Well, that's pretty clear. Love your enemies. But what do, what, how, how do you love? Who are my enemies? I don't have any enemies. Nobody calls themselves an enemy to me. Who are my enemies? What does love look like to enemies? Well, Jesus clarifies that for you. In verse 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I'm sorry, I missed some lines. Go back to verse 27. But I say to you, you listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Verse 28, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So who are your enemies? Well, let's see. It says those who hate you, those who curse you, and those who mistreat you. Those are your enemies. Do you have anybody that does that to you? For the right reasons or the wrong reasons? The right reasons are they do it because they hate God and you love God. That's the right reasons for them to hate you. But sometimes they do it for other reasons because the politics... Uh, because of your skin color, because where you're from, because of your accent, because of your age. But what are you supposed to do? What do you do with those people who hate you? You do good to them. What do you do with those people who curse you? You bless them. And not the the Southern, well, bless your heart. No, not, 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 not that kind of a true blessing. They call you a bleepity bleep, and you say, well, you know, thank you. Have a, have, have a blessed day. And you mean it. And you pray for those who mistreat you. They lie about you at work, so they get the promotion instead of you. And they do get the promotion. You pray for them. And not, I pray that the fleas of a thousand camels will infest your pillow kind of prayer. You pray for their salvation. You pray for their family that will do well. You pray that you will be a blessing and a witness to them and to those around you. Because if they lie about you and they get the promotion, how does the world react to that? 
Well, some scream and rant, some quit and move on to another job. But as a Christian, you are to pray for them. You are to do good to them. You are to bless them. And as a, that is a witness, not just to that person, but to everybody else in the building that you work with. And they see how you react to that mistreatment that you got. You want to be more Christ-like? You do good to those who hate you. You bless those who curse you. You pray for those who mistreat you. That's how you become more Christ-like. You don't act like the world. And Jesus clarifies you. Well, I don't understand. What do you mean? Verse 29. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. So if somebody slaps you on the cheek, that probably is not going to physically hurt you. You're not going to get a black eye over it probably. Now, you know, big guy slaps small person. Yes, that's probably good. It could hurt. But, you know, two people of equal size, no. That's a personal insult. That is just an insult if somebody slaps you. So it, it says instead of slapping them back and coming back at them with an equal insult, You say you don't say anything, or you, you say, well, here, why don't you do it again? You go from the other cheek. Here, you slap that, get this side too. Just the opposite of the way the world reacts. Don't attack back. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It says that multiple places in Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you're out and about, in verse the last part of 29, it says, and if anyone takes your away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. So if you're out and about and somebody robs you and they take your coat, give them your shirt too. Their coat and shirts weren't like ours, but same effect. They had an outer garment and an inner garment. And somebody robs you, give them more than what they want. No, they take your wallet here. I want my cell phone too. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, on the opposite end of that, you try to rob me, I'll probably not cooperate with you very well. Um, but that's the type of thing it's talking about. You don't do what is normal. Verse 30, give to everyone who asks, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Your neighbor borrows your tools and forgets to return them. You don't go banging on the door and says, hey, you no good for nothing. Give me my tools back. That's not what that's not a Christ-like attitude. And don't say, don't, I'm not going to give you that. I'm not, I'm not going to loan that tool to you. You didn't, you didn't return my tools last time. I'm running out of tools. That's not what it says. It says you give anyways, even though you're going to lose out. Money. 31, verse 31, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Or if you read this in Matthew and in the King James, it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's a golden rule. 
Do the things for others that you want people to do for you. If you want people to loan you stuff, then you loan things to people. If you want people to treat you nicely, then treat them nicely. Don't wait for them to treat you nicely first. Treat them, you treat them nicely first. If you get perturbed because people speed through the parking lot, then don't speed through the parking lot yourself. If you're upset that people won't let you in when you're on the on-ramp, then you let people in. You do the way you want to be treated. And don't complain about when people don't because, well, that's the way people are. Verse 32. If you love, then Jesus clarifies this a little bit more. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. So Jesus is going through a few sections here, and it says, If you, even sinners, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So if you only love the lovely people, the people who are like you, well, so what? That's what the world does. You're not doing anything different. Verse 33, if you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. 34, if you lend to those who, whom you expect to receive what... I'm trying to read too fast. Slow down, Nelson. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive... What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. So Jesus says, you know, if, if you do just if you do just look out for yourself the way the world does, well, you're doing just what the world does. You're not doing anything any different. But 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 pastor, if I do that, people will take advantage of me. Yes, that's, Jesus knows that. And he acknowledges that. But what does it matter? What good is your money after you die? What good is your money after you die? Well, I've got to take care of my family. Do you trust God to take care of your family no matter what? In this world. There are people a lot, who have a lot less stuff than you that got it, that survive. Verse 35. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend expecting nothing in return. Yep, see, Jesus just said you're going to be taken advantage of. Lend expecting nothing in return. Do what is good. Not what is selfish. Not what benefits you, but what is good for others, for them. He says what is good for them, because that's interesting. If it's if it's only good for you, then is it good? Because that's selfish. And that's what, all the in 33 and 30, 32 to 34, that's all about it. It's about selfishness, about what's doing right for you, not for everyone. Then it says the first in, in verse 35, continuing on, expecting it says, you know, lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the most high. 
for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. You do these things. You do what is good to those who hate you. You bless those who curse you. You pray for those who mistreat you. Then your reward will be great. What reward? Is Jesus going to put more money in my bank account? doesn't say what your reward is, but you will have one. And you will be children of the Most High. How do we know you are following God? Because you are doing things like this, or at least trying to do these things. And it bugs you when you fail at doing these things. You will be children of the Most High. You will live your life differently than the world. And this is it. You do good to those that hate you. You bless those who curse you. And you pray for those who mistreat you. You will be called children of the Most High. That's God the Father, Yahweh, Jehovah. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Who is he talking about? He's talking about you and me. We are the ungrateful and the evil. And he was gracious to us and granted us salvation. Which we accepted when we repented and turned our lives to God. But we didn't deserve it. Church attendance is not enough to deserve salvation. Putting your entire paycheck in the offering plate every week is not enough to deserve salvation from Christ Jesus. We are ungrateful and we are evil, and he granted us salvation. Because we repented, because we turned our life over to Jesus Christ, because we believed his message and we tried to follow his will. And this is his will, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who mistreat you. That is God's will in your life. Which is more important than what job you have, job at company A or company B. is more important For those of you who are single, do I marry person A or person B? Or do I stay single? This is more important than all those things. And sometimes you have to be kind and bless and pray for your spouse because they're the ones that's mistreating you and cursing you. I'm not saying because none of us are perfect. There are times Sonia has to do that for me because I, I, I don't do things very well. And there are times I have to do that for her. But still, we've been married for a long time because for the most part, we do these things. Verse 36, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. You would have shown mercy, the same mercy that God showed you. That is your call for a Christian life. I want to be. Oh, I want to be more God-like. Right? Well, be merciful to people who don't deserve it. 
because God was merciful to you and you didn't deserve it. How do you be merciful? Verse 37 and 38, the last two verses we're going to look at. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. That's how you show mercy. That's not saying do not judge. Does that mean you do not label sin a sin? But you also need to be honest about it and label the sins in your own life and don't pretend that you're all perfect. Don't condemn people. And this is a judge for minor stuff. Don't condemn for minor stuff. Because you'll be condemned for minor stuff. You'll be judged for minor stuff. So he gave two negative statements. And a third one's positive. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. Jesus mentions that in, in, the, in what we call the, the Lord's Prayer. The model prayer. In other places in Scripture, in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. And Jesus tells a parable to that effect. It's a hallmark of Christian life is that you forgive others because God has forgiven you. And sometimes the hardest things are to forgive are those things that are super personal. And you forgive today and tomorrow it hurts all over again. And you have to keep forgiving again and again and again for the same thing because it hurts so bad. When Jesus told Peter, you have to forgive 70 times, seven times, sometimes I think you got to give that just for that one person, for that one thing they did to you that hurts so bad. It could have been a spouse. It could have been a parent. It could have been somebody at work. But they did something so dastardly in your eyes that you have it's hard to forgive. And you forgive, and then it hurts all over again. They may have did it on purpose. It may have been an accident. But it doesn't matter. It still hurts, and you have to forgive over and over. And sometimes you have to forgive yourself. You did something dastardly to yourself, or you're the one that ruined your own life because of something you did, some sin. You can't forgive yourself. But Christ has forgiven you. You must forgive. And what is the result if you do this? If you don't judge harshly, you don't condemn harshly or unrighteously, and you forgive, you love your enemies by doing good to them and blessing them and praying for them. Verse 38 Give. Give what? It doesn't say. But it, I don't think it's money because he hasn't been talking about money, except for the lending part. He says, give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So it's not just about money giving to God, although that's what all the TV preachers will say. Well, send me money, and then God will bless you with a whole bunch more extra money. Well, he might, but don't guarantee it. He can bless you in so many more ways that's better than money. He says he'll take your measuring can, 
and they'll stuff it full and you just push more and more of it into it. And then you shake it a little bit to get the air out of it and make it all settle down so you can put more and more into it. Then you pour more into it and it's, it's like sitting in your lap and it's overflowing onto your lap because it's just so much is in there. That's how much he'll bless you. And like I said, it's not just about money. It's not just about food or retirement plans. There are so many other ways to be blessed. Open your eyes to the blessings of God. The peace of God that passes over understanding. And not the peace from a lack of fighting, but the internal peace that comes from an eternal perspective because it's you know that you have an eternity in heaven. And so it doesn't matter if you run out of money here on earth. It doesn't matter if you lose your job here on earth because you follow God. It doesn't matter if the wrong politicians get in office because you have an eternity in heaven. And that's the blessing that you have. That's the reward you're working for is the rewards that are in heaven that are eternal. The earthly rewards are temporary. So even if God blesses you with money or family or a great job here on earth, praise God, it's still temporary. It's not a permanent blessing. You want to be more Christ-like? I want to be more holy than people have? I want to follow God's will in my life? It's not about your resume. It's about how you treat the people around you. And especially how you treat the people around you who don't, who don't treat you well. It's not about how you treat your friends. It's how you treat those who aren't your friends. That's the will of God. And you can do that at any company. You can do that at any school. You can do that with any spouse. You can do that in any neighborhood. Love those who don't love you. That's your enemies, people who don't love you. They may hate you or they might be just apathetic towards you. But you are to love them anyways and do good to them and pray for them and bless them in spite of what they do or don't do to you. That's the will of God. Being merciful because God was merciful to you. That's the goal in your life. That's what you need to do. Let's pray. God, we just thank you and praise you for your scripture. We thank you for the words of Jesus Christ to change our lives, to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change our attitude and our emotions, that they will all be in service to you. So give us an eternal mindset. Give us a holy mindset and how you see people that we will treat them well. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So once again, if you didn't know, I if you came in in the middle, I am Pastor Nelson Nislia. I am Associate Pastor at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. I thank you for watching and listening. I'm seeing here we've got some more people jumped on here. Um... Uh, Rose, good morning. Let's see. I saw Robert. Good morning, Jackie. Jim, good morning, Jeannie. Uh, there's Robert again. 
And so I, I see you all there. And, uh, and anybody else who's on there who didn't leave a comment, I thank you for watching and listening today. I pray that um, God's blessings will be on you. Um, just to let you know, if you're watching this live, we're um, not planning on having drive-in service today because of the bitter coldness that is out there. So everything will be streamed today like we did last week. Pray for the stream to work and all the pieces be from the computer and the microphones and the sanctuary to the, all the wires and routers and internets and hubs and all the way to your home. And, and, and we stream on Facebook, so pray that Facebook works appropriately this morning. So there's a lot of moving pieces that have to work for a stream to work, and I just pray that all of them do. And uh, that you'll be, and even as if, if, if for, for some reason they don't all work, um, the sermon and the songs have been pre recorded and we'll post those online. And so, even if we don't get to see it live, every, all the content will be there. But in, during this time when we can't worship together, still worship God. That's all we're called to do is to worship to the best of our ability in the circumstances that we have. And so we are to worship at home anyways. Even before COVID, we were to worship at home. But we are also called to worship together as a congregation. And that's been hard to do the past, well, since Mark, about 11 months now. It's been hard to do. And we've done it incompletely with drive-in church, uh, with a handful of people inside. Um that is what God calls us to do. And that there's a certain blessing you get when you worship with others of like mind and faith. Even if they don't look like you, even if they don't act like you, but we are worshiping the same God. And so we miss that. I pray that you miss that. But we also need to worship at home. That is a part of worship too. We are to worship God anywhere and anywhere. And so this is a part of worship right now, studying your scriptures studying God's scriptures as we go through. And so if you um, appreciate this, you know, hit that like thing uh, that, that's on, on there and share it on your wall if you think other people will, will benefit from it. Yes, I know I do some weird things. I stutter and I stammer around. I scratch my nose, um, adjust my glasses and whatnot. I am not your rock star preacher. That is not me. But I pray that it's helpful and beneficial in all that we do. So once again, if you need to find out more about us, check out our website, towerviewkc.com, or our uh, Facebook page. You can call or text the church, 816-368-1330, and somebody will get back to you. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I pray God's blessings on you. God bless. Have a wonderful and blessed day.